it's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, Coach Hitting for Clayton Kershaw and America's College Recruiting Guru, Dan Tudor. Hey there, Coach. It is another edition of Driving with Dan. That's right. I'm on my way to the airport and wanted to talk to you a little bit about a topic that has dominated college recruiting lately, which is the new early recruiting rules and regulations imposed by the NCAA on Division I programs. And I'm going to say imposed. That's not the right word. Um, the new rules that have been initiated by the NCAA, because it's not a punishment. In fact, I think that the rules have, at their core, a really altruistic ideal behind them, which is let's give these kids, these families, more time to go through the process without being pressured early in their high school career, and let's give the coaches more time to evaluate well, and we don't have to recruit and and scout and contact a kid for three or four years through different channels because that's what was happening. And I, I am not in this episode going to pass judgment, uh, yay or nay, this was a good decision, this was a bad decision. There's probably a little bit of everything whenever there are new rules put in place. Um, in fact, I'm going to reference you to two things right off the top that I would say if you haven't either read this or listened to this, these two um, these two references I'm going to give you, stop the recording and and try to read them before you get further into this. So the, the two things that I'll say right away, and again, I don't want to go into uh, evaluating this because there was actually an article that I did on the whole topic right when the rules were announced uh, in in April of 2018, that that kind of summarized my feelings on it and what really I think it it's going to mean for coaches. So if you want to do that, I'm going to include the link to that article in the show notes. You could also go to dantutor.com and up in the upper right hand search box, look for that box and just type in early recruiting rules or just early recruiting, and it's going to come up with the article I'm referencing which basically are all the things that I think are going to transpire because of it. Now, it's not a good or bad thing. It's not a judgment. It really is just based on what we know coaches have to deal with and what they're doing, as well as what parents and athletes want out of the process. I I kind of mix those two together and make some assumptions that I think are going to be fairly accurate positions as the years go on. You'll begin to see these things take place. So if you want to know my opinion or some of the results from the rules that I think are going to unfold, you can go to that article. There's also in the show notes going to be a link to a previous podcast episode we did also related to early recruiting. And this was really centered around um, the 2017 decision from the lacrosse coaches um, group, the association. Uh, and, And really that sort of kicked off in earnest the entire movement to really try to rein in early recruiting. They were the first to to basically say, we're going to delay this, we're all going to agree to play by the rules, and we're not going to start recruiting kids until their junior year. Because as those coaches found out that 
it was just getting earlier and earlier, and many sports have uh, have allowed that to happen. And lacrosse coaches said, we don't want any part of that, and so we're going to institute these early recruiting rules. So uh, I'm going to outline for you a podcast episode that we did to listen to, which is a fascinating, really interesting idea put forward by an associate athletic director, Michael Cross, at, uh, at Penn State University that he says would solve the problem. And there's a lot about his proposal that I really, really like. And so we're going to offer that up to you as well, just as a reference for for you to get your head around kind of where we're thinking, where I'm thinking that this should go. But alas, um, they uh, have instituted a, a rule, a mandate that uh, doesn't include a lot of, of what was proposed by Michael Cross. Um, and so what, what the article does is basically, again, give the predictions. What I want to do on this podcast episode is go through scenarios that we've seen play out that have been positive results for coaches at all levels, not just Division One. Don't just think that this early recruiting rule affects Division One. Anything that affects Division One trickles down to the other division levels. So anybody that's listening to this, no matter what your division level, is going to get something from it and should pay attention to it and try to implement some of these ideas. So what we get to do in working with the clients that we work with is we get to see the things that they try play out and what went right and what went wrong and where do we need to adjust. And I'll back up just for a second, just in case you're new to the podcast or you're new to Tudor Collegiate Strategies and what we do, we actually work with individual coaches and their programs to develop a communication and recruiting strategy that they then use with their prospects. So in a sense, we work hand in hand with them to develop the right approach, the right wording, to get more responses and then as those responses play out we get to see the results does the athlete come to campus do they end up committing do they not why and and so we get to see all these situations play out there are i've been asked over the last couple of weeks so hey what are other coaches already doing that has worked for early recruiting because there's a lot of programs and sports that are dealing with this for the first time and uh, many other programs around the country have successfully implemented early recruiting strategies that I want to that I want to lay out. And so I've I come back to these same four examples of what coaches have done right, and I want to now lay that same uh, description out for you on this podcast and see if it works for you. So I'm not saying that each one of these things are going to be what you should do for your program. Uh, you might only pick out one or two, and then a year or two later, you're going to remember you heard something uh, that you didn't use the first time. You'll come back and listen to it then because situations will be unique, and they will arise at different times. But I want to outline for you a couple of different things that I think all this means of how you might want to address specific situations and, of course, tailor it for your own needs, your own division level, and where you're at as a program. So, Getting started with that, I want to lay out, like I said, four strategies that we have seen play out with real programs around the country, in some cases numerous times with different programs that we get to work with at all levels, and tell you what those results were. So the first concept or the first thing that I want to lay out and talk to you about is the idea of having to project early 
and project accurately. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, if you're going to now uh, be in a world where recruiting really does start in earnest with all contact and everything in either July or September of an athlete's junior year, then what that means is you're going to have a condensed time frame probably to make that decision on do we want them or do we not want them? Are we ready to give them an offer? Are we ready to invite them onto our roster or not? Do we need more time? And the reason I think you're going to face this is because with a condensed time frame, and now there's going to be this mad rush in July or September, depending on your sport and division level uh, in, uh, in college athletics, if there's this mad rush, if all of a sudden what used to trickle in and develop into 12 or 13 or 7 or 8 programs interested in an athlete, now all of a sudden happens at once. If you look at it from the athlete standpoint, what we know from our research is that they start to panic. They panic not because they're getting contacted. Heck, that's why they have put the work in uh, so far and, and so hard up to this point is to get the attention of college coaches. Okay? Mission accomplished. Now they've got the attention. Now what they have to do in their mind is whittle it down. They cannot keep in touch and develop relationships with 7, 8, 10, 12 programs. And so they begin to figure out or try to figure out who's most interested in us, who really wants us. Okay, those are the programs that we're going to pay attention to. Or is that dream program of, of ours not paying attention to us? Well, you know, what? we're okay with that. We're going to... Um, we're going to wait and hope that they do. Let's say your program is somewhere in the middle of all that or just on the outside looking in. And what this means for you, I think, is if they take that mindset into early recruiting, you now are going to have to um, decide pretty quickly, are we going to pursue this athlete or not? Are we ready to offer them or outline what their position would be or do we want them on the roster for instance if you're a division three school and you don't have athletic scholarships to give do we want them and the reason i think that's going to be imperative that you know close to the start is they're not going to wait in many cases to give you the opportunity to to outline that and figure it out so before, I think what it what the whole process did was it elongated decisions and it allowed those those prospects to um, to get to know you slowly. You get to know them slowly. You go out and watch them a couple times in a tournament uh, and scout them, and it, it just developed longer. And I think what the early recruiting rules that have now been implemented are going to do is make the whole process shorter. So. The first thing I would want you to think about as a program or as a coach leading a program, what do we need to do differently to identify an athlete sooner that we know is going to project out into the type of athlete we want? Now, so what have programs done? This is all about using real life scenarios and what have programs done in order to do that? The smartest way I've seen programs do it is what, and there are several I could name and mention at all levels, they will go back and look at the records of kids they've scouted in the past and what did they look like at the end of their sophomore year, beginning of their junior year. What skills did we notice that have then, now that they're on a roster, played out and they have developed? What characteristics or leadership styles did we see early on that now um, have, have turned into the type of athlete, the type of leader that we want on our team? And they use that as a measuring stick. Now, nothing in any of this is scientific 
foolproof, 100% guaranteed this is going to work. Uh, because you know you're talking about random, random kids and their crazy ways of making decisions. That being said, you were looking for the best odds to put you in. We're looking for the best case scenario for you to wind up in. That's one thing that many coaches have done to get comfortable with projecting is if he or she grows uh, at this point the average for that position or the average with their body type that that we saw early on with those other kids that are now on our team we can now reasonably project that they're going to grow into that type of an athlete again could you go wrong could a kid all of a sudden stop growing if and this we're taking into the assumption that height is uh, is a uh, is a factor in your in your decision basically are they going to uh, grow into that position well you have to take your best guess and this again is one of the byproducts of this new early recruiting rule that i think is going to be very very different for some coaches is that you're going to have to project out and get a feel for what type of player did we or that we saw as a junior ended up being good now that they're here in our program if you're in a timed sport, it becomes a little bit easier. So I'm talking about swimming, track, something where there's a measurement of either time or distance, uh, some sort of number to go off of. It's going to be really important to track progression. So through their freshman, sophomore, junior years, for instance, as a track athlete, did we see this progression? And what did it transpire to in college? Okay, did they plateau? Did they, did they continue to rise? What were the things that were the common denominators of the athletes that we want? You're going to have to get good at projecting out. And that's the way that I've seen several programs do it. It's, again, the projection part is the, the hardest part of all this, but that's at the beginning of the process, Coach. So I would want you to really consider what are the things that we need to do to better project out the athlete instead of let's wait until the end of their junior year, see if they're good enough, tall enough, big enough, fast enough. Because my fear is there's going to be programs out there that will be willing to take the chance and offer and you have to be ready to decide do we want to play that game are we going to to uh, lay our cards on the table and and throw or throw our chips in and say we're in um, soccer coaches on the women's side have had to do this for years as women's soccer recruiting continued to get earlier and earlier and earlier you would have to project out many coaches that aren't used to that are going to have to start getting used to that so that's the biggest and probably most complicated way uh, of, of addressing this first part of the early recruiting rules that are now in place is being comfortable with projecting. Let's jump ahead to number two. Number two that I would say is you're going to have to get really good at asking accurate, probing questions to your students and also their parents. Here's what I mean by that. You, you go right into that situation that I described with the previous point you're getting seven or eight or 12 of your competitors along with you talking to that student athlete and their family about your interest. You would come to the school, you want them to visit campus, whatever your normal approach is. We're not going to address this, the approach at this time, because that's a, that's a deeper conversation, but let's just say whatever the approach is, it is. And what I want you to now picture is that every coach is coming at them with basically the same story, basically the same uh, compelling draw, which is we want you to play for us. We think you can be a star. We want you to visit campus. We're asking different things of them as far as actions because coaches want proof that an athlete's interested. I would like you to take a little bit different twist on that 
and do what we've recommended to other programs that they have found very, very successful. And that is this. Ask really good questions, yes, of the student-athlete, absolutely, but I also want you to ask good probing questions and try to make earlier contact with their parents. Not because you want to recruit the parents, but because you need to recruit the parents. And what many athletes say to us after the fact is that they notice and measure how well a coach interacts with their parents as a way to determine is that the coach and the style of the person that I want to be around. A lot of times, and it still shocks me, the number of coaches that don't really talk to the parents until that parent, that family, shows up on campus for their visit. That's shocking to me. If I was a college coach, the first thing that I would try to do is make connection with with the parents. Why is that? Because as we've talked about before, both in the blog articles at dantutor.com, as well as uh, we've touched base with, uh, with this topic in previous podcast episodes, your parents, the parents of your athletes, are, are really the key to, to determining who are they going to take seriously. Most parents are very much in that decision-making process with their student-athlete early on. So if I, as a coach, want to make sure that I attract the right athlete into taking a serious look at our program, you are going to be darn well sure that I'm going to be talking to the parents first. The other factor to that is that parents usually are ready to talk and have great questions and have they know the right questions to ask, whereas more and more coaches are coming to us and saying, how do we get these kids to talk to us on the phone initially because we just can't get them to? Coach, I agree. It's tough. Um, I'm the parent of teenagers. I know that it is tough to get them to connect sometimes and talk in the same way that you and I would. If you want to call, if you want to email, heck, I'll, I'll talk to any, that's what I do all day long is talk to coaches. I'll talk to you. I have no qualms about it. Well, if you're a 16, 17, even 18-year-old young student athlete, the thought of talking to a coach, no matter what division level, is incredibly intimidating. And they don't want to do it, and so that's why it's so hard to get them to talk. Their parents, on the other hand, um, have played a part in this whole process up to this point and they have have um, uh, they have taken an interest in the recruitment of their student athlete for precisely the same reason that that you would assume which is they have something in this as well they have put the time and the effort and the energy into uh, into recruiting the student athlete and now this is sort of their payoff they get to help and figure out uh, which school is the right one to consider or which schools are the right ones to consider early on. Um, and so that's that's what I want you to understand about the psyche of the parent is that in their mind there's something in it for them. If you're the coach that reaches out to them, asks a question, provides contact early, and lets them know that you want them a part of the process, you're going to win points. You're going to jump ahead of other programs who haven't done that. And it's, another, again, another way of asking the right questions to the right people early in the process. Include them. I'm not saying to block out or ignore your student-athlete prospect. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying wrap in and include that um, that that parent. So one of the things that we teach at the workshops that we do uh, on campuses around the country. In fact, that's where I'm driving to the airport from my home here in North Carolina 
to the airport to fly off and do a, a two-day workshop uh, here later this week. And so what one of the things that we talk about and teach in those workshops is when you're talking to the athlete for the first time, you make contact with them. If you were to tell them and to say, after you ask them questions, introduce yourself, just take a second at the end and say, hey, by the way, is your mom or dad there? Love to talk to them before we hang up. And hopefully they are, and hopefully that prospect can hand the phone off to mom or dad. Say, hey, mom, dad, this is Coach Tudor from so-and-so university. Um, here's what I just talked to your daughter or your son about. Uh, you know, And then go through the process of where you saw them, what you want uh, uh, to see happen as the next step, why you're interested in them, and then offer up. Do you have any questions right off the bat as we start the recruiting process? Whereas the student-athlete didn't really have many questions, didn't know what to ask. <laughs> when you open yourself up and allow the parents to ask that question, watch how many questions they answer. Watch how talkative they are. In fact, I can say for coaches who are the clients that we serve, when they have asked this question, they're always shocked that they, it usually at least triples the amount of time they spend on the phone. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing. That's why you're calling the student athlete is to is to make that connection, right? Well, it's far easier to make that with the parent than it is the student. And your your uh, your student athletes are usually perfectly fine with you talking to mom and dad and outlining what it is that you need from the family, what the athlete should do next, and they're most the vast majority are fine with them looking at mom and dad as being the guide through this process. So just learn to ask those questions to mom or dad is point number two of dealing with this early recruiting um, uh, early recruiting situation now that, that many of you uh, find yourself in. Uh, the next thing is the campus visit, point number three. With early recruiting, campus visits, of course, every coach wants the athlete on campus. Absolutely. What I want you to do is slow down the idea and the ask for them to come to campus. And here's what I mean. Most coaches in their first conversation talk about the idea of, we would love to have you come visit campus. In the research that we do, I cannot tell you the number of athletes that tell us when you do that, it seems wrong. It seems too much, way too soon. I don't even know you. I don't maybe know where your campus is. I don't have any idea as to why I should want to go to your campus. So be, take a pause and just make sure that you are um, patient, that you, maybe you can mention that we eventually want you to come to campus, but first we want to get to know you and let you get to know us. Because one of the things that's going to happen, again, in this condensed environment that is going to be early recruiting moving forward, uh, you're going to have coaches that are all going to jump out talking about coming and visiting campus. And what we anticipate happening is that it's going to pressure the athletes. There's going to be no frame of reference or context for why they should visit your campus or that particular campus. And they're going to start ignoring and blocking you out. Because psychologically, if I'm not ready to visit your campus, then really what I've done is I've just told you maybe I'm not ready to get serious about your program. I feel bad about that. But now, you know, that's just the truth. And now I've stressed you out. And now you probably don't want me. And we go down this illogical teenage road in their mind that says, um, this is, you know, this is just, uh, I don't know what to do now. And so their solution when they don't know what to do 
as you've probably noticed, is I'm just going to stop communicating or I'm going to not take, uh, take them seriously just yet. I don't want you to be in that corner. Many of your competitors who aren't listening to this podcast are going to be in that corner. I just don't want you to be. So be patient. Mention that you eventually want them to come to campus, but tell them that you want to make sure you get to know them and that they get to know you first, that you're going to be patient, you're not in a hurry. Um, that's going to send the right message because you're you're going to take the pressure off of them to, to give action. Um, so just be ready for that. Now, one other thing that can, let me go completely opposite of what I just said. If you're in the mix for a top athlete, if you're in the mix for a kid who you know is going to get offers right away, um, and this is where the projection part comes in, you're going to have to, if you do want them to come to campus, you're going to have to do the first two points. Number one, projecting do we know that we want this kid? Are we comfortable offering either a scholarship offer or money or a roster spot? Because that's one of the key drivers for coming to campus and choosing a school as one of the primary campus visits. Is there an offer on the table? The second thing is, do we feel like the head coach is recruiting us? And the primary people that ask that question are the parents. They're trying, again, to whittle it down. If we're going to go visit campuses, we can't well, officially, we can't take more than five, and we can't just drive around endlessly and look at campuses. We have limited time, limited resources, so how do we prioritize? It, again, involves who do we have an offer from, who has said they want you, and number two, have we heard from the head coach? And most of the time, that head coaching conversation happens with the parents. That's where the connection is made. So to pull off number three, if you do want them to come to campus and you're going to you just have to you have to take that strategy because of all the other competition that's going to be asking them make sure you do those two things in advance of asking or very much alongside asking that's going to be the key number four uh last point on this four-step process that we've seen scenarios play out well for these for early recruiting number four is continuing to recruit after the commitment this comes both sides of the commitment. So let's say you get an, a yes. You've done the first three points plus all the other things that we recommend, most of which you can find for free on the website at dantutor.com in the blog section. But let's say you've done all that. You've connected. You've told your story. You've done a good job connecting with the parents. You have made the offer. You have done everything that you need to do, and you get the yes. You get the yes two-thirds of the way through their junior year. They verbally commit to you. Congratulations. It really means nothing. <laughs> so what you're going to have to do, and what again, with early recruiting, coaches in those programs and sports have learned this uh, many the hard way over the last few years. You have to keep recruiting the athlete. You cannot stop recruiting the athlete because when you do, according to our research and focus groups that we've done with those athletes who have committed early and then changed their mind, we ask them, why did you change your mind? They changed their mind because they started feeling ignored from the family, I'm sorry, from the coaching staff and the program that recruited them. Their family overall started to feel a change. There was a marked difference in what a coach was communicating and how often uh, before they committed versus after they were committing. And so what then they assume is that, uh-oh, I made a huge mistake. They're taking me for granted. Um, and, and so I don't want that to happen. So you're going to have to continue to communicate with them. 
usually we recommend every six to nine days for communicating with a an uncommitted student athlete that is the time span that they feel is good for you to tell them here's why you should want to come here not necessarily just contact or a phone call but actually proof that or or an argument if you will that says here's why you should come play for us here and go to school at this university or college I think when they're committed, you could back that off to every 10 to 14 days. I don't think it's as frequent, and I think the the language then changes, and I know we do this for our clients and the messaging that that we suggest they send out. The, The tone changes from not if you come to our school, but when you come here. You're basically reminding them of here's why you made a good choice. So that's what happens if you if you get a commitment, if you get the yes early on. If you get the no, I'm gonna suggest that you do something that your competitors are going to keep doing when you get the yes and that is they're going to continue to recruit the athlete (laughs) which is why i think that important um, uh, continuing recruiting and messaging is so important because your competition is probably not going to take their verbal yes to your program as an answer for theirs they're not going to play by the rules when it comes to honoring a verbal commitment they're going to make the case that that athlete made the decision too soon we're going to still recruit you Um, And in this new ultra-competitive environment that early recruiting is going to bring on, I want you, Coach, to do the same thing. I do not ever want you to negative recruit another program or criticize the choice that they have made. How I would do this is, hey, uh, so I've just lost a recruit to a rival program. Hey, just to let you know, I can see why you, um, you said yes to them. Coach Smith is a great person. I've known him for a long time. Great school. I get it. And I appreciate where you've just told me you're leaning at this point. Where you're leaning at this point. In other words, let's define it as not a final decision, but where you're leaning at this point. Um, But if it's okay with you, I'm going to still tell you about our program. I'm going to still explain why I think this is in the end going to be the the school that you'd want to go to. But I think... You know, I can absolutely see why you've made the choice. It's a smart choice. Um, but we're gonna, basically, we're still going to recruit you. I think this does a couple of things. Number one, it tells you, I'm sorry, it, it, well, it tells you that, and it sends out the message to them that we're not giving up. This is merely a step in the process, maybe a little sidestep, but we recognize that, that you have to make some early decisions. We're okay with that. We're okay with the decision that you made. We get it. We understand why you made that decision. But we're going to now continue to recruit you and get their permission. Um, they're probably going to say, yeah, that'd be fine, coach. And I would then just continue on selling your program, explaining why you want them. And what I'm hoping, coach, is that your competitor does what I've just instructed you not to do, which is ignore the prospect. You're going to see coaches ignore the prospect and move on and not, they're going to figure, well, they committed, great, I've got them, and now I can just, uh, now I can just move forward and, and spend my time recruiting someone else. No, you can't, and I don't want you to do that. You need to continue to recruit that athlete as well. So that's the way that I would have that play out. Again, with say nice things about the the program, do not negative recruit because when you negative recruit or when you criticize the coach that they just committed to, 
What the athlete then does, and we get really vivid stories about this in our focus group sessions with student athletes who have been through this, when you criticize their choice, you said you made it too early, or you should have come visited us, or how could you do that, or their program's no good, whatever you're saying, they immediately transfer it as a criticism that you're making of them. They were stupid. They didn't make the right choice. Now, that's not what, in a sense, not, that's not the main point you're trying to get across. That's what they hear. And so I want you to avoid that. And you do that by complimenting their choice, complimenting the coach, but basically politely saying, we think that you, um, you know, we understand where you're leaning at this point, but we think you're going to change your mind once you hear what we have to say. And that's the best way to approach it. So I threw a lot at you, Coach, uh, as I just pulled into my parking space here at my home airport in Raleigh, North Carolina. I've thrown a lot at you. There's a lot of blank space. We, I could have talked about this for another two hours, but I don't know if you'd want to listen to a two-hour podcast on this topic, uh, especially with the other information that I've, I've already given you in the show notes. And I'm telling you, please go back, listen to that other podcast episode, read the article I'm going to post because it's key to putting all this in context. This is about a strategic way to approach a very new and challenging and difficult situation. And I've given you ideas that have actually been tried and have been successful at other programs. And I've tried to pick the ones that have been across division levels and across sports, not one specific to one sport. But all that being said, if you have questions of me, my email address is dan at dantutor.com. You can find me on Twitter at dantutor. You can send me a direct message. However we can help you, however we can further help define this very challenging topic that you're now faced with, we want to do that. So use us. We're a resource that we we expect coaches to use. That is our role in college athletics is to be uh, as, as much of uh, science and research and methodology that you can that you can define in recruiting, we want to be that pro, that uh, that resource that you can go to, that um, that that you can use. And certainly, if if you want to take the next step and work more in depth with us as a client, as you're starting a new recruiting year, uh, we can certainly have that conversation as well. Best way to do that is there's information on our website. Just look at the Total Recruiting Solution tab, or you can email me and ask me questions. And folks, I really appreciate all the great things you're telling your fellow coaches about the podcast. Uh, we're growing in listeners, which is uh, is nice in the sense that we're going to have a lot of interesting people on that have sort of become fans of the show, and that's because of you. So continue to tell your athletic department to listen and your coaches' meetings. Bring it up as a free resource because the more voices we have, the more interesting coaches we can bring on to, to help share their secrets, um, we're going to do that. So that's it for today. I appreciate you listening to this uh, another special episode of Driving with Dan, the uh, four scenarios that we want to see play out uh, and have play out in your early recruiting efforts. It's been great talking to you. I hope you have a great week out there. I hope you attack this new challenge with confidence and energy. And uh, we'll be back to tell you more strategies and talk to more people that are doing it right throughout college athletics here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, Coach. We'll talk to you again soon. Back on the road again. Come on. Gotta get back. Back on the road. Back on the road again. Huh. Gotta get back. Back on the road. Back on the road again. Uh-huh. Gotta get back. Back on the road. Back on the road again.
Bright college days, oh carefree days that fly To thee we sing with our glasses raised on high Let's drink a toast as each of us recalls Ivy-covered professors in ivy-covered halls Turn on the spigot, pour the beer and swig it and Gaudi get a tour. Here's two parties we tossed to the games that we lost. We shall claim that we won them someday. To the girls, young and sweet, to the spacious back seat of our roommates, beat up Chevrolet. To the beer and benzedrine, to the way that the dean tried so hard to be pals with us all. To excuses we fibbed, to the papers we cribbed, from the genius who lived down the hall. To the tables down at Maury's, wherever that may be, let us drink a toast to all we love the best. We will sleep through all the lectures and cheat on the exams. And we'll pass and be forgotten with the rest. Oh, soon we'll be out amid the cold world's strife. Soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life. Ooh. But as we go our sordid separate ways, we shall ne'er forget thee. Thou golden college days Hearts full of youth, hearts full of truth Six parts gin to one part vermouth